Good afternoon, everyone. Um, welcome to the second part of the second webinar of the Philippines Partnership for Sustainable Agriculture Working Groups Learning Series. This event is organized in partnership with the Department of Agriculture. Um, just to introduce myself, I am VJ, the Communications and Engagement Manager of PPSA, and I will be your host for this afternoon session. Um, to share briefly, and for those who are new here, PPSA is a multi-stakeholder partnership platform for agriculture catalyzed by Grow Asia and the Philippine Department of Agriculture. Uh, we work to convene different stakeholders in sharing best practices and discuss various issues in agriculture and strategies for collective action. Um, we are being supported and funded by the Australian Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Um, before we proceed with the session, uh, next slide, yes. Uh, let me share our uh, webinar rules. Um, we are recording this webinar, but uh, rest assured that we will take out the last part, which is the open forum once we publish the recorded webinar on PPSA's YouTube and Spotify accounts. Uh, your mic is automatically on mute, but uh, we will give you permission to speak uh, once we get into the open uh, forum part of the uh, webinar. And also, uh, you can uh, raise your hand virtually using the available Zoom function. And uh, should you have questions during the presentations, uh, kindly type them in the Q&A box. We will accommodate as many questions as we can while considering our time. And if you have any technical issues, you can use the chat box to ask for assistance, or you can also try logging off and on again, or you can email the PPSA Secretariat if this still doesn't work. Um, okay, um, to kick off this session, we have a virtual warm-up here, and we would just like to know which sector our participants are from. So if you could just um, respond to the poll that will appear on your screen to know the dynamics of, the, of this session, you may uh, answer. Uh, to which sector you belong. And we are giving you around, around 10 to 15 seconds to answer our poll. Oh. Okay. Um, as you can see, uh, we have here um, uh, most from the private sector and the next from the academe, civil societies, and NGOs, and uh, from the other sectors here. I think. Uh, this is a great mix of uh, participants, so uh, we are expecting different perspectives come the Q&A and the open forum parts of the session. Uh, thank you for your participation on the poll. And um, now to share with you the objectives of this session, may I invite PPSA's country director, Ami Chua, for the introduction. Over to you, Ami. Um, thank you so much, Vijay. Good afternoon, everyone. To those who have been attending the webinar sessions in the past weeks, maraming salamat po sa inyong lahat. Thank you, and we hope you will also find this session informative and engaging. For those who just attended the session today, mabuhay. Welcome to PPSA's Working Groups Learning Series. We look forward to seeing you in the next learning sessions. We really hope that through this learning series, we find ways to create an agricultural landscape that looks out for the growth of our smallholder farmers and fisher folks. Last week during the vegetable consumptions webinar, we discussed um, and majority of your inputs were focused on the need to identify um, innovations and technologies, partnering with government agencies to scale up and extend 
existing projects. And of course, going back to the basics to improve farmers' productivity. We'll plot our next events considering your feedback. Thank you. Um, today, we will talk about vegetables, food safety at the farm level. We'll again follow the flow of the learning series wherein we have a situationer. Um, for this session, it will be covered by our friend from the National Crop Protection Center of the University of the Philippines, Los Banos. And then we'll have a moderated discussion to be followed by an open forum. But today's session will be a little different. We've made it extra special for you as we have more speakers today to highlight two topics related to ensuring food safety. Number one is the MRL or the maximum residue limit. And number two is the good agriculture practices or the GAP. The presentations from NCPC, Innovate Nutrition Technologies and East-West Seed will be followed by a question and answer portion. And then the next set of speakers will focus on the good agricultural practices or GAP, the DAATI or the Agricultural Training Institute, Kalasag Farmers Producers Cooperative um, from our through our partner from the local government units and with the help of Jollibee Foods Corporation, and our partner from Kimer Organic Cooperative who is from Cambodia. You can also ask your questions to those speakers after their presentations. As we always say, your participation today and the inputs to the discussions later would greatly help us as we revisit our strategies and design future, future knowledge exchange activities. Um, and of course, to help us uh, push for the development of the agricultural sector. I won't take much of your time. I hope you already have your cups of tea and coffee and of course your notepads as we will have a rich session today. Again, many thanks for allocating your time for this event. We hope that you will find this session useful and engaging and more importantly, we hope that we can find ways to work together to advance a healthier and food-wise Filipino nation. Magandang hapon po sa inyong lahat. Over to you, Vijay. Thank you so much for that, Ami. Um, okay, uh, now, we, now we are talking about uh, vegetables since uh, this session is really part of our discussion under the vegetable working group. And oftentimes, as a practice, we usually apply inputs such as uh, pesticides to address crop protection issues. But uh, we also have the maximum residue level or MRL uh, that we need to observe as part of ensuring a clean and safe food. Uh, to enlighten us about the MRL and the current practices at the farm level, we invited Mr. Eric John Cruz of the National Crop Protection Center. Uh, Eric is a licensed chemist who currently heads the Pesticides Management Division of the National Crop Protection Center. Um, NCPC is an extension research service of the University of the Philippines, Los Banos. He has been involved in several pesticide residues and MRL studies and committees uh, with different national government agencies and multilateral organizations. Um, Eric is also a multi-awarded um, researcher, one being the Next Generation Agricultural Innovator, awarded by the International Union of Pure and Applied Chemistry in 2019. Uh, Mr. Eric earned his uh, agricultural chemistry degree from the University of the Philippines, Los Banos, and about to earn his Master of Environmental Science from the same university. Uh, guest, uh, please welcome Mr. Eric uh, Cruz. Over to you, Sir Eric. Okay, sorry. Ayan. Hello, good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon. Yes, sir, we can hear you po. Go on, sir. Okay, so good afternoon, everyone. So, 
my name is Eric Jantros. I am from the Pesticide Management Division of NCPC. And I'm going to share with you uh, this topic about food safety and maximum residue limits for pesticides. Next, please. So for starters, uh, the National Crop Protection Center is a research and extension organization under the University of the Philippines, Los Banos. And our main goal is to contribute in food security by providing an effective pest management program. Our center is composed of different divisions and the pesticide management division is the one that I am uh, currently heading. Next, please. So our division, uh, the pesticide management division is focusing on research and extension topics such as pesticide residues and its subsequent detection in various uh, crops, primarily vegetables. Also, we are dealing with gut-based pesticide management, insecticide resistance management, MRLs, and risk assessment and risk communication. So you can see here our uh, composition of our division. So next, please. So in our division, our key technologies include the rapid test kit for residues, which was developed uh, way back, uh, I think, uh, around early 2000 or late 1990s, and it's being used for the rapid detection of organophosphates and carbamates residues in selected vegetables. We also have the rapid bioassay for pesticide residues, which is a technology that was adapted from the TARI or the Taiwan Agricultural Research Institute. So this is an offshoot of our DOST Picard funded project in collaboration with Dengue State University and TARI in Taiwan. Next, please. So the task that was given to me is to discuss about our center's research efforts and interventions in ensuring a safe and clean food in Filipino tables, particularly focusing on managing the maximum residue limits. So in order to give you an overview of these uh, topics, uh, it's mainly divided into non-chemical management approaches and the chemical approaches using the judicious use of pesticides. Next, please. So for our division, uh, for the non-chemical management, uh, we have a previous study by one of our researchers on the use of Talinum SP, which is a Philippine spinach as border plant for the management of EFSD in eggplants. So this is also an ongoing study, but uh, from this study, we can uh, say that certain plants can be used in order to lessen the damage of different pests so that we could uh, use uh, less pesticides and only as needed. And also in collaboration with other division at the center, one of our researchers uh, have this study about entomopathogens for different uh, pests in rice. And mainly for these non-chemical management approaches or studies, this is mainly being uh, studied or conducted by the other divisions in our center. Next, please. So insecticide resistance management, this is one of the uh, main problems in the field and uh, our uh, researcher in the division uh, have this collaborative uh, project which deals with insecticide management and resistance studies for onion armyworm. And right now, there is a new project that deals with the same topic, but 
focusing on full army war in corn so that uh, we could generate effective uh, pesticide uh, rotations for uh, better management of these uh, pests. Next, please. So the main uh, topic is about pesticide residues and MRLs. So I would like first to introduce the concept of residues, which are bas basically any substances in food, agri-commodities, or animal feed that could result from the use of a pesticide. And this could include the parent compound or the pesticide itself and the various degradation products or metabolites. And these are being considered because of uh, toxicological significance. So if the particular metabolite arises from the use of pesticides, but there is no toxicological significance, that will not be included in the definition of residues. Next, please. About the maximum residue limit or the MRLs, this is basically the maximum concentration of a residue, pesticide residue, that is legally permitted in or on food commodities and animal feeds. So meaning uh, from the use of pesticides, residues could arise. However, as long as these residues are below or at the maximum residue limit, that could be considered acceptable nationally and internationally. Uh, we have to understand that maximum residue limits are based on good agricultural practices and supervised pesticide residue trials, and thus different countries could have different MRLs across different crops and pesticides. This only means that some commodities with specific concentrations could be accepted in some countries, but could be rejected in other countries, depending on their maximum residue limits for pesticides. Thus, this MRL is strictly a trading standard. However, it is also indirectly a food safety standard because uh, MRLs are intended to be toxicologically acceptable. Next slide, please. So our division's role and our involvement with different stakeholders revolves around research, extension, and also we contribute in terms of regulations and standards. And we have different stakeholders ranging from at the national level up to the general public, which I am going to give you an overview for today's presentation. Next, please. So the national level, uh, true representation in various uh, different uh, government agencies, we provide technical advice or support to the FPA, BAPS DA and to the NCO SCPR, of course, on topics concerning pesticide residues. Next, please. So at the FPA, uh, our contribution is by acting as pesticide registration technical evaluator or PRTE, particularly for residues. This only means that pesticides, before they are placed in the market, of course, they need to be evaluated at the FPA. And uh, our division contributes by being evaluator for residues to ensure that if residues are present, if any, at harvest of these products, they are deemed to not result to uh, health uh, or significant health effects as the risk is manageable. So those are the main, these are the main uh, items or points which are being considered in the evaluation of residues prior to the release 
for approval of pesticides. Next, please. Also, uh, membership in BAPS DA Technical Working Group for Fruits and Vegetables. Uh, this is a multi-stakeholder, uh, multi-partnership from the government, private industries, and the academe in the development of various Philippine national standards, or PNS, particularly MRLs for uh, different commodities. So right now, we already have MRLs for rice, opera, mango, uh, banana, pineapple, and others. Next, please. And membership in subcommittee in pesticide residues. So involvement by providing technical inputs on position papers that needs to be submitted at the national level. Next, please. So for the regional part, uh, we had uh, collaborative training with the Regional Crop Protection Center in Region 2 way back, I think this is last year or 2018. So it involves different uh, staff and also our team at the Pesticide Management Division. And we also have participants from the LGU or the local government unit of Santiago City, which are agricultural extension workers. So we mainly dealt with uh, pesticide residue analysis using the rapid test kit and also the discussions about MRL in relation with the food safety program of uh, Region 2 and Santiago City. Next, please. Next slide, please. Okay, so I need to I need to turn off my video because my internet connection is really not that ideal. Okay, so during the training, we conducted a series of different lectures related to pesticide residues and hands-on RTK analysis because uh, Region 2 and Santiago City have this uh, food safety program wherein the vegetables that will be marketed, will be, they are planning to test it for residues so that there could be an added uh, assurance that uh, there are no residues that are unacceptable or appropriate level that are in the produce. So next slide, please. So this is the RTK station that is a station, I think in the market area. And this is in line with their food uh, safety program. So they have this boot or station for testing of pesticide residues and vegetables. This is usually being done at night prior to the uh, selling of vegetables. Next, please. So what they are doing is uh, after the training, they are already trained and they know the concept. So they conduct the sampling of different uh, vegetables and uh, have these stations for these vegetables to be tested. Next, please. So the overall outcome, thank you to Ms. Lawrence Gaspar for this slide, is the production of pesticide-safe vegetables in Santiago City. So this is the first uh, local government unit that's adopted this style of uh, testing and uh, labeling of uh, produce in order in line with uh, the Food Safety Act. And they have this partnership also with Santiago City vegetable growers and marketing cooperative. And I think just recently, some of these products could be available already in Robinson's Place in uh, Santiago, if I'm not mistaken. 
Next, please. So aside from Region 2, uh, we have this partnership with Region 1 RCPC, wherein they visited us. And uh, we have these discussions and actual uh, demonstrations and technical uh, discussions about the use of rapid mine assay for pesticide residues, which is the technology adapted from Taiwan. This is also being used to detect organophosphates and carbamates, but this is applicable not only to vegetables, but also to fruits. And I think uh, Region 1 is already using this technology or planning to expand this utilization in line with the food safety in the region. Next, please. So at the LGN farmers level, so we have this uh, RTK adoption already by Santiago City as shown. And for the RBPR, the first local government unit that will be adopting this RBPR is uh, our very own LGU here in Los Banos. So it's coming very soon. They are already at the final stage of setting up the laboratory. And uh, they will be soon adopting this RBPR to test products in the market and also in the planned uh, trading posts. So it will involve testing both of uh, organic and conventional uh, products. And just recently, we have this DOCP card funded project internal control system for conventional cabbage and eggplant production. So this was done in Bugyas Benguet for cabbage production and in Dolores Quezon for eggplant production. So this is partnership between NCPC and the College of Economics and Management at UPLD together with cabbage and eggplant farmers and their respective LGUs. Next, please. Next slide, please. So here you can see the ICS farm in Bugyas, the very beautiful uh, place up north in Benguet. So this ICS farm, uh, uh, a cabbage farm, and they are applying what we have uh, teach them about integrated pest management and the proper use of pesticides if needed. So we also develop uh, brochures and reading materials for the farmers and conducted uh, several trainings and focus group discussions in order to equip our farmers with uh, growing uh, cabbage that is safe and high quality and the overall goal of being compliant with uh, maximum residue limits. Next slide, please. So in the case of eggplant production here in Dolores Quezon, we did the same training and of course we customized it to fit the need of eggplant farmers. And from this project, we are very uh, proud to announce that the produce from this uh, project are compliant with the ASEAN MRLs. So that means that the ICS cabbage and ICS eggplant resulting from this project could be uh, acceptable in terms of trade and food safety for ASEAN countries. Next, please. So in terms of the academic sector, we are involved in providing uh, advice and technical expertise to research projects of students and also the use of teaching tools such as the RTK in educating uh, primarily uh, students in agriculture about pesticide residues and uh, its detection as shown in this uh, image on the right side. And we are also involved in the work immersion of senior high school students for their 
future uh, career and for them to have hands-on experience in an agriculture-related field. Next, please. In terms of our involvement with the industry, we have several partnerships with CropLife Philippines, SGS, which is a, a testing and certification organization, and Jeff Core Laboratories for different seminars and trainings. And as you can see here, uh, the image on the left side, this is the seminar on PHI and MRLs for banana growers in Davao that was conducted by CropLife Philippines and FPA, and our division was the uh, partner organization and resource persons for this uh, seminar. On the middle picture, you can see here uh, our Cambodian uh, trainees because we have this uh, international training wherein we share our knowledge of pesticide residues, MRLs, and detection of residues to our uh, Cambodian uh, brothers and sisters. So they came here in the Philippines last 2017, I think, and we talk about uh, RBPR, RTK, and pesticide residue related topics. And on the last picture here, you can see our partnership with SGS primarily equipping our uh, industry partners on extending this information to our farmers and to different stakeholders. And as part of our industry involvement, we also have a vegetable consolidator that uses RTK as part of their quality control. Next, please. So in terms of the consumers and general public, we have lots of various presentations, uh, some of which are shown here catering to specific audiences or uh, open to the public uh, seminars as shown here. For example, in this image that, uh, on the right side is a webinar conducted by our division in cooperation with the uh, maps. So next, please. And lastly, uh, we believe that we need to learn continuously. So we are equipping ourselves through representations in different international trainings so that we could learn more of the best management practices on what could the Philippines adopt or what we are uh, doing uh, excellently so that we can better uh, be equipped in addressing uh, food safety and food security concerns. So these are some of the international trainings. And next slide, please. Next slide, please. And our efforts on having this international research visits, which we know from previous slides that resulted to technologies such as the rapid bioassay and uh, visit of some of our researchers in these organizations in Taiwan, which now resulted in our ongoing project about the development of pheromones for the monitoring or initial assessment of fall armyworm in cornfields. So these are some of our uh, continuous education efforts to better serve the public in terms of food safety and pesticide residues. So lastly, I would like to, next please, I would like to share this final slide, one of my favorite quotes that saying that Nothing in, in life is to be feared and it is only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less because there are lots of different informations out there and we need to really understand the science-based uh, process or explanation of this uh, topic so that instead of fearing everything, we will understand it better. 
to better address our needs. And that is all for my presentation. Next slide, please. So if you thank you for watching. So if you have further questions, comments, or actions, you can raise them later or in the future you can send me an email or here's the contact number in my office and my mobile number. So thank you very much for your attention. Thank you so much, uh, Sir Eric. Uh, that was a comprehensive presentation um, and information about the MRL and, of course, the initiatives of the government and your agency uh, that, are, that are currently being done to uh, ensure food safety. Um, okay, if you have questions uh, for, for Sir Eric from NCPC, uh, kindly type them in the Q&A box. But uh, your questions will be part for now as we will go to the second part of this session. Uh, but before we start with the uh, second uh, part of this session, we just have a few reminders for our succeeding speakers and for everyone. So for our uh, speakers, your time allotment is only five uh, to eight minutes presentation. Uh, after the presentations, we will proceed uh, with the Q&A. So if you have any questions, kindly type them in the Q&A box and we'll request our speakers to respond to them uh, during our moderated discussions. Uh, your mic is still on mute, but we will give you permission to speak during the open forum. Okay. Um, at this point, we will proceed with the presentations on insights and perspectives, um, including uh, relevant technologies and innovations rela uh, related to food safety. Our first speaker um, will be sharing about food safety and available technologies and innovations to ensure food safety. We have um, Dr. Uh, Narciso Intal or Doc Nars for his dear friends. Uh, Doc Nars is the founding president and chairman of Innovet Nutrition Technologies Incorporated, a veterinary animal and plant nutrition company in the Philippines. Doc Nars currently chairs the Foodlink Advocacy Cooperative and is a member of Seeds Incorporated. He is also a fish, vegetable, and fruit farmer from Minalin, Pampanga. Uh, Doc Nars earned his veterinary medicine degree from the University of the Philippines, Los Baños. Uh, over to Doc Nars. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my, my honor and uh, privilege to be uh, a partner of Croatia and PPSA. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me to Croatia PPSA for being one of your uh, resource persons or uh, uh, participant. My presentation uh, is all about uh, quantum growth. And uh, quantum growth uh, is a breakthrough biotechnology uh, that provides revolutionary plant enhancements through the combination of cutting edge developments in microbiology and biophysics. So next slide, please. Yeah, uh, quantum growth, uh, a new way to grow, stabilize plant health and increase yield and profits for sustainable production. Next slide, please. The next, uh, Topic uh, part two topic is all about uh, the fundamental concepts and fundamental perspectives uh, that revolve around uh, the, the technology quantum growth. Uh, it is about uh, uh, 
a national soil health movement for a regenerative farming agriculture. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Bring back soil health, it is a must. Very, very true. Next slide, please. Quantum growth should be at the forefront in the fight for healing in the land and people of our country with all our minds and one heart. And it is the soil health that is the focus or the central uh, uh, fundamental uh, necessary to revive our land. It is, the it is the continued capacity for soil to function as a vital living ecosystem that sustains plants, animals, and humans. If we have healthy soils, we have healthy plants, we have healthy people and healthy animals. Next slide, please. Quantum growth is a new paradigm in Philippine agriculture. It is a strategy for inclusive Philippine agri-industrialization to attain our country's for sustainable development goals. Foremost is our food sufficiency and economic, nutritional, as well as our environmental securities. Next slide, please. Quantum growth is basically uh, follows the general principles of natural farming. The natural principle of health ecology, fairness, and care. Next slide, please. It is the way forward to level up our Philippine agriculture. And the soil solution approach or the soil food web, which is the essential component of healthy ecosystem, is the one that regenerate our soils in harmony with our plants, with all our animals and man protecting the environment and increase profits for farmers. Next slide, please. Quantum growth, therefore, is a very basic foundation in the soil food web. Next slide, please. The soil food web consists of an interplay of the first, second, third, fourth, the fifth, and the higher trophic levels. Next slide, please. Quantum growth, therefore, is a bioorganic soil and a plant amendment. It is a revolutionary full-spectrum microbiome. It's a novel biological and ecosystem solution. Next slide, please. Quantum growth is the new frontier in plant technology. It is the true breakthrough in modern microbiology that provides revolutionary plant enhancements through the combination of cutting edge developments in novel biotechnologies, microbiology, and biophysics. Next slide, please. Quantum growth series were designed to save water, to reduce fertilizer runoff, grow healthier plants, and increase yield. Next slide, please. It is a breakthrough in biotechnology that provides revolutionary plant enhancements through the combination of cutting edge developments in microbiology and biophysics. 
Next slide, please. Quantum growth series consists of highly active, naturally occurring microbial consortiums with vegetative microorganisms, including photosynthetic cultures, spore-forming microorganisms, and high-quality organic pit humus extract. Next slide, please. Quantum growth series are non-pathogenic. They are produced in an EPA and FDA registered facility. They are very safe, they are non-toxic, easy to use, they are biodegradable and 100% natural. Next slide, please. They does not contain chemical products. They does not contain compost or manure keys. They are not genetically modified organisms or the GMOs. They are not synthetic amino acids. And of course, they are not the hormones. Next slide, please. Quantum growth is a technology. It is not a backyard microbiology. The stability in microorganisms lasts for about two to three years. The counts or the microbial counts are verified and guaranteed in every culture or bottle. They are consistent since our products are not input dependent. There is no pesticide worry. There is no preparation, just buy and apply. They are more concentrated with very high counts of microorganisms available. Next slide, please. Quantum growth uh, suffices all the plant requirements from top to bottom, from rhizosphere to uh, to phylosphere, uh, uh, they, uh, they provide all the necessary soil minerals, the macro, the micro, micro based mineral elements, as well as fixing uh, the carbon and nitrogen uh, from the uh, atmospheric, uh, from the atmosphere. Next slide, please. Quantum growth is a unique proprietary consortium that features select photosynthetic microbes and natural growth factors that drive plant energy functions. Next slide, next slide, please. These are but a few of the many uh, consortia of different species of microbes, specifically bacteria. Next slide, please. Some of the inferred functions and mechanisms of this consortium of organisms are reduction in fertilizer, carbon fixing, nitrogen fixing, uh, phosphorus solubilization, uh, production of antibiotics, degradation of toxic residues, degradation of heavy metals, de degradation of uh, toxic elements that are still in the soil. So uh, the functions of, of, of um, uh, different uh, bacteria carries a big, uh, a big, uh, uh, a big uh, role in, in, the, uh, in the soil and uh, plant uh, bioprocesses. Next slide, please. Next slide, please.
Next slide, please. Okay. Next slide, please. Uh, Dr. Ansar, just to check, it's the quantum growth VSC slide, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, uh, quantum growth VSC uh, is a uh, wide-ranging microbial consortium, just like the first variant uh, quantum growth light. Uh, this includes the core technology in quantum light. And it does, uh, uh, it does uh, contain also additional spore-forming microbes. Uh, selected for their ability to break down accumulated organics such as, such as fats, black layer, and detritus. The, through this breakdown process, the nutrients within the materials are released and available for plant growth. Next slide, please. Dr. Nars. Yes. Sorry, uh, I will just give you one a minute to wrap up the presentation. Okay. Thank okay, you so okay. much. For okay, okay. Next slide, please. Next slide. Yeah, uh, why we are different? Quantum uh, growth is different because uh, it has controlled multi-stage fermentation with zero dilution, and it has been backed up by extensive field studies. Next slide, please. One of the biggest, uh, one of the most important benefit is soil detoxification and improving pathogen resistance. Next slide, please. Increase yield, nutrient storage, seed germination, drought resistance. Next slide, please. Why we are different? Uh, quantum growth has faster kinetics. They're very versatile and uh, with greater range of functions. Next slide. So, where and when to use? Quantum growth light is used in average to high organic matter soils. Next slide, please. Use quantum growth BS in heavy clay, compacted septic or flood damaged soils. Next slide, please, for the testimonies. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. 50-50 combination. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Yeah, some of our testimonies uh, in uh, vegetables, in lettuce. You see on the right, lettuce with growth, quantum growth. Next slide, please. Another lettuce. Next slide, please. Okay, that's the kangkong. Uh, of course, from Israel, it's kangkong. Next slide, please. Okay, pechai. Next slide, please. Yeah, my last uh, picture here uh, shows to you, it shows to you the rice, uh, the, the rice uh, uh, yielder, uh, top price uh, farmer and achiever, Mr. Pangan, who achieved a 13.1 tons per hectare. He received his uh, top six award just uh, this March of 2020. Thank you very much. And that's the final slide. Thank you very much. Sorry for a long uh, presentation. Yes, Doc. Thank you so much, po, uh, Doc Nars, uh, for that presentation. Um, and I think the highlight uh, of your presentation is you, uh, is you presented uh, 
about the importance of soil in achieving uh, food safety. That's right. Uh, That's true. Yeah. That's true. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay, our next speaker is our uh, the very supportive lead of the PPSA Vegetable Working Group. Uh, Dr. Mary Ann P. Sayok uh, currently serves as the public affairs lead of East West Seed International. She has 20 years of professional experience in the seed industry and was a former general manager of East West Seed Philippines. Um, it's, it is a Dutch company engaged in research, development, production, and distribution of vegetable seeds. Um, prior to her stint in the private sector, Doc Mary Ann had a long career in government. She held key positions in the Department of Agriculture as a regional director and executive director of the Agricultural Training Institute. Uh, over to you, Doc Mary Ann. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, VJ, for the kind introduction. Uh, once again, uh, thank you, PPSA, for having me here. This is now uh, part two. Uh, as I, we were also together last week in the part one uh, uh, webinar. Next slide, please. So I will not uh, give a lengthy introduction of uh, East West Seed. So let me just uh, say that uh, East West Seed is an integrated vegetable seed company. Uh, we do plant breeding and variety development, seed production and processing, distribution, and we provide a knowledge transfer uh, services. We are a smallholder farmer-centric uh, company, and this is the kind of business model uh, that we have. The, um, of course, with the aim of increasing uh, the productivity of uh, and income of farmers through high quality seeds and better farming practices. Next slide, please. So food safety is a crucial part of food security. Uh, we say that uh, having sufficient or adequate food is not enough, but we also have to have access to safe food. That's why I think it was very timely that the food safety law was enacted a few years ago. Uh, as already mentioned in the introduction, uh, pests and diseases are threats to uh, food security. So that's why we, um, we uh, well, continue to use uh, chemicals, no? And other, even natural insecticides, pesticides to combat pests and diseases. And uh, pesticide use is part of uh, integrated pest management. Next slide, please. Now, uh, well, I, I would first like to acknowledge uh, Eric John Cruz the, the, because the following slides, uh, I use actually uh, Eric John Cruz uh, presentation uh, as a, a main reference for, for this slide. So thank you, Eric John Cruz to uh, the National Crop Protection Center. So there is a healthy push towards increasing consumption of vegetables. But the question we ask is, how safe are our vegetables? And uh, we say here that the presence or absence of pesticide residues alone is not a valid indicator of health risk to the consumer. The risk depends on the levels of residues. That's what uh, Eric John uh, um, 
mentioned in uh, with regards to MRLs, food consumption, what's the acceptable daily intake, and toxicity indicator or threshold value. Next slide, please. And uh, what are the, some of the risk reduction measures? Uh, I think this should be um, multi-stakeholder uh, efforts on the government, good regulatory control, uh, especially on the registration of pesticides. For farmers, good agricultural practices are to be uh, employed. Uh, use pesticides only when necessary. Uh, use registered pesticides and strictly follow label uh, recommendations, especially the pre-harvest interval. Next slide. On the consumer side, um, you know, consumers also have, uh, have a bias towards visually appealing vegetables. So they tend to choose vegetables that, you know, have no holes, uh, really perfect. But sometimes uh, this goes to show that there, there are no um, holes because there were no insects or maybe a lot of pesticides were used. Also, buy from trusted traceable sources, and very importantly, wash thoroughly all produce before consumption, and if possible, plant own vegetables in the garden, especially now when the urban agriculture is, uh, I think, uh, widely promoted, and also grow your own um, uh, vegetables. Next slide, please. Now, what's Easter Seeds contribution to food safety? Uh, through plant breeding. We develop, uh, so uh, our breeding goals not only include higher yield and better looking uh, and better fruit quality, but also one of the main breeding goals is uh, disease resistance. So we develop disease resistant varieties. So then, uh, so the use of uh, insecticide or pesticide is lessened if you have disease resistant varieties. The other thing is uh, uh, we employ seed technology so like uh, seed coating with uh, minute amounts of, uh, of insecticide or fungicide because uh, we put that uh, as, uh, to, to coat the seed and this will give uh, protection to the, uh, to the plant, to the young plant during the early stages of growth and you don't also need to use um, uh, pesticides. And uh, the other way is, you know, we have uh, our knowledge transfer department and here, they are, they train farmers on good agricultural practices, on natural farming systems. So uh, they are taught uh, how to uh, how to prepare biopesticides or organic concoctions, and uh, also integrated uh, pest management. They, uh, we also teach them like uh, simple things like. Uh, planting marigold as a border plant because I think marigold also is uh, uh, insect uh, repellent. And uh, we have also partnered with uh, RCPC, especially in the control of onion armyworm because Iswa seed uh, uh, also one of the top crops of Iswa seed is onions. And recently we also partnered with, uh, with RCPC and BPI on the control of fall army worm. Next slide, please.
So these are just some of the pictures. So this is, we give them, far, it's a farmer's field school and they do hands-on. So look at like their the leaves, no? For, uh, for um, repelling you know, the insects and even use of this, uh, how do you call this? This plant, uh, fermented plant juice and organic concoctions. Next slide, please. So the health benefits of a diet rich in fruits and vegetables outweigh the risks of pesticide exposure. Eating conventionally grown produce is far better than skipping fruits and vegetables. This is also related to the favorite quote of Eric John on, on you know, uh, understanding it more. So fear less if you uh, understand it better. Next slide, please. And then uh, this is a call to action, multi-stakeholder efforts to ensure food safety on the part of the government, strict enforcement of the food safety law, monitoring of banned pesticides, uh, especially by FPA, regular monitoring of pesticide residues in fresh vegetables by BPI. This is the National Pesticide Analytical Laboratory. Intensify gap training and lower the costs of gap certification. On the part of the farmers, producers comply with good agricultural practices like IPM and also on uh, traceability. And on the part of the consumers, we need more consumer education on the proper choice of produce and uh, on food and food preparation. Next slide, I think this is my last slide. So thank you very much for your kind attention. Over to you, DJ. Thank you so much, uh, Doc Marianne, for sharing with us your insights. Um, and of course, the initiatives of East West Seed about food safety. Um, now we will move to the moderated discussion. Uh, may I invite our speakers, Sir Eric, Doc Nars, and Doc Marianne, to respond to the questions from our webinar participants? Okay. Um, I think we have um, one question here that is addressed to. Um, NCPC, but other speakers may respond as well. Uh, the question is, uh, is there an effect to the crop productivity if we decrease the pesticide level? Um, is there a safety versus productivity issue here? Yeah, hello. Uh, yes, so sir. Did I understand the question correctly that the audience is asking about the effect between productivity and safety? Yes. Okay, so basically uh, the use of pesticides is governed by different factors and primarily there is a threshold or limit, a threshold level in which the use of pesticides can uh, be uh, just an optional use, but other practices such as cultural, biological are recommended. But if a certain threshold is reached, it could be the time to use uh, pesticide as one of the last or later options. So as long as the pesticide is being used according to its label, wherein the label is the law when it comes to pesticide use, there is no expected uh, difference in terms of productivity. But in turn, indirectly, it could contribute to an increase in productivity by decreasing the damage caused by pests and diseases. So I hope I answered that question, unless there are- All right, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, other speakers, do you have any um, insight about it, about the uh, safety versus uh, productivity of crops? 
I would. If, uh, well, I I would go with uh, with what uh, Eric John uh, just mentioned. Um, as uh, I said, we cannot totally avoid uh, the use of uh, of uh, pesticides uh, because of the huge threat of uh, pests and diseases. We are a tropical country, a paradise for all this. Uh, um, pathogens so but we if we you know judicious use and uh, and observing the the um, recommendations from the manufacturing manufacturers and also observing the uh, the um, pre-harvest the interval I think uh, we should be able to um, we, we should be uh, production could still be you know uh, come in an acceptable uh, manner, safe for the consumers. Thank you. Okay, Doc. Uh, Doc Nars, do you want uh, to respond to the question? Um, is Doc Nars here? Okay. Um, I think we move to another question right here. Uh, the question is, uh, what are the challenges, if any, at the farm level on pesticide regulations? Uh, Sir Eric, do you want to respond to that question? Uh, uh, hello. Uh, so the challenges at the farmer's level for pesticide regulations? Yes. Uh, I think uh, because when we say pesticide regulations, mainly it's the registration and implementation and use of pesticides. So that's what all about. That's what uh, regulation is all about. So uh, I think that at the farmer's level, first uh, could be the issue of uh, accessibility and availability of various options, for example, in the selection of pesticides, because sometimes uh, there are only limited uh, pesticides available in certain areas. So the continuous use of these pesticides with the same mode of action could uh, lead to, for example, resistance. And uh, lastly, I think uh, another challenge is not really a challenge, but more on a constraint is on the uh, understanding really what is written on the label. So it's very important to really understand what is written on the label as what Ma'am uh, Mary Ann mentioned, the pre-harvest interval. It's very, very important, particularly in the terms of uh, residues. So the ability to understand and of course, to follow, really follow, not only understanding what is in the label, I think that plays a big part in terms of uh, food safety. Hello. Yes, Bob. Yes, Doc. Yeah, uh, if I may ask uh, our expert, Eric. Uh, my worry on uh, pesticide uh, application is uh, non-target uh, organisms like uh, microbes you know, are greatly affected. Wherein we know that uh, an application of a pesticide would uh, render all living organisms dead. So, uh, as we all know, uh, we, we must we must put emphasis uh, on this uh, soil food web, wherein uh, they play a big role in the nutrient cycling, and at the same time in the biogeochemical processes that involves plant and uh, soil interaction. 
Now, uh, if we have a dead soil, we have a dearth. If we don't have uh, the microbes, nothing would be decomposed, nothing would be uh, absorbed. And that's the uh, bottom line. So it's very, uh, it's very uh, important that uh, application of pesticides should be uh, well guarded. And at the same time, it must be uh, well emphasized to whoever is handling the pesticide. Uh, thanks, Doc, for for that. Yes, yes, sir, Eric. Uh, yeah, can I just make a quick comment regarding uh, Sir Nars' uh, comment? Okay, so sir. I totally agree that the soil is a very important factor for uh, plant health and uh, productivity and safety. So, in terms of, as far as I know, in terms of uh, the evaluation of pesticides, there is also a topic or registration those years about environmental effects of uh, pesticides, which is in charge with other evaluators. And those are being uh, considered also prior to the registration of pesticide that includes effect on different environmental compartments, aside from the soil, the water, or the fish, the bees, the earthworms. But uh, yeah, I agree with that. So with the increasing uh, technologies or development of greener greener pesticides and uh, that is an innovation uh, nowadays but uh, uh, it depends also on the speed of uh, development process but uh, my personal view is that is uh, that is correct but that is also being accounted for in the use of uh, pesticides the regulation of pesticides and the stewardship uh, program of the different organizations that is my personal opinion and that's the National Rural Protection Center. Okay, sir Eric, uh, thank you so much po for for that and to Doc Nars. Uh, we have another question here, and I would like to invite uh, Anton Simon Palo to uh, <laughs> yeah to ask the question himself to the participants. Hi, Anton. Hi, Vijay. Hello. Hi. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I would like to address this to the entire panel, um, whoever feels like answering this question. So essentially, uh, from, from our scoping studies, we found out that um, there seems to be a uh, overvigilance on food safety, where it seems like the standards of certain processors are suggesting that um, blemishes and certain, uh, let's say, minor bruises already indicators for uh, rejection. And they're saying that, well, if it's not pristine, therefore, it's probably not safe, um, which is also a cause for much rejection and therefore a huge loss on one uh, food loss access and at the same time uh, revenues for our farmers. So um, I suppose the question is, uh, there's, there seems to be a movement called a whole of crop purchase which uh, tries to solve uh, these kinds of uh, overvigilance. Uh, in your opinion, uh, is this something that can be pursued or should be pursued here in the Philippines? And what will it take for us to do that on a national scale? Thank you. Um, if I may, I think that would entail uh, a lot of uh, uh, 
a, a good consumer education. Um, it could be uh, really uh, one way of preventing uh, food uh, losses or food wastage, but uh, I, I don't know how, how easy or difficult will that be to educate our consumers and uh, let them, and uh, you know, and telling them to um, not to be, not, not to discriminate, you know, against uh, these uh, vegetables with blemishes or even with, uh, with bruises. So yeah, I, I would, uh, I think it could be uh, promoted also, as I said, uh, it, it takes uh, multi-stakeholder efforts to, to do this kind of uh, uh, program. Thank you. Thanks, Doc. Uh, Sir Eric, do you want to respond to the question of Anton? Yeah. yeah. So okay. uh, I think uh, it, for cases like this, we need to understand what is the main driver, what drives the preference for this uh, beautiful and uh, perfect, almost perfect uh, appearance. So it's correct, uh, Mariam said that it's mainly, the focus is mainly on the preference and the consumer's uh, choices and behavior, which drives this uh, market standards. So unless there is a great shift, I think that unless there, there is a great shift in the consumer's preference and uh, knowledge or, or education about the equivalency of quote-unquote ugly vegetables, uh, but they are equally or nutritionally similar, uh, we will be having a hard time or difficulty in addressing this problem. But this is, of course, not really impossible to achieve in the near future. And just to share that the driver is the consumer preference, for example, in terms of maximum residue levels or limits. Uh, in Europe, fortunately, we do not have these second st secondary standards. So in Europe, some retailers or shops have secondary standards wherein they are only allowing a certain percentage of MRL prior to acceptance of vegetables and fruits because most of the consumers prefer that the residues are even lower than the MRL, even though there is no significant difference if you lower the MRL. As long as you are reading MRL, it is intended to be uh, toxicologically acceptable. So that gave rise to another set of standards, which is mainly driven by consumer perceptions and preferences. Thank you. Okay. Uh, thanks for that, Sir Eric. Uh, Doc Nars, do you want to respond or? Um, no. Okay. Okay, Doc thank Nars. You. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you so much for our speakers, uh, Doc Mary Ann, Sir Eric, and Doc Nars, for responding to the questions and to our participants for making this session uh, rich in discussion. Uh, we're going now to the second set of speakers uh, who will talk about safety and good agricultural practices. Um, our first speaker is uh, Mr. Manuel de Malaluan, who currently sits as the High Value Crops Development Program and Food Safety Focal Person of the Agricultural Training Institute, uh, which is the training uh, and development arm of the Day of Agriculture. Uh, Sir Mani has conducted several trainings and seminars on good agricultural practices and techniques in the farm level, recently being the virtual training workshop on GAP for emerging agricultural commodities amid COVID-19 pandemic. 
Um, his expertise includes urban agriculture, sloping agricultural technology, and code of practice on good agricultural practices for fruits and vegetables. Uh, Sir Manny is also a agriculturist and a licensed teacher. Um, thank you so much, uh, Sir Manny, for having you today, and over to you. Yes. Sir, if you could Hello? speak louder po. Okay. Yes po. Hello, good afternoon. Okay na? Sound? Um, yes, sir. Hello, sound. Okay na? Yes, sir. Okay na po. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, I was talking about good agricultural practices encompassing with the food safety. Uh, based on our food safety law, Sabi nga sa ating food safety law, uh, this is an, an act of strengthening the food safety regulatory system in the country to protect consumer health and facilitate market access of food and food products and other purposes. So we at the ATI, uh, we are conducting training to the farmers. We are ensuring that the elements of GAP or good agricultural practices is uh, Embedded to the farmers, encouraging farmers to follow strictly what is uh, good practices. Uh, as of today, at the present situation of GAP certification system, uh, as per BPI records, uh, they are released more than 500 pill GAP certificates to the farmers across the different regions in the country, encompassing small farms and corporate farms, individual farmers and consolidated farms which are cooperatives and associations members catering to the local market, retailer group, supermarket, food companies, establishment, and port, uh, input other services. So based on the uh, Food Safety Act or Republic Act 10611, uh, this is very important for us because uh, this will be the framework or the framework from the implementation from farm to pork, the positive regulatory system. So what are those uh, important provisions that we're going to understand? So first, the basic principle of food safety, which is part of the uh, elements of the gap, but before, uh, the GAP system or the good agricultural practices have four major components. This is the food quality, uh, food safety, environmental protection, and welfare of the workers. So those are the basis uh, of our food safety. So in uh, the basic uh, principles or articles that we're going to uh, to understand these this, uh, things to consider when evaluating the safety of food. So what are those? These are the condition, uh, the condition of use of the food, condition in the food chains, health of plants and animals where food is derived, then effect of production inputs on other health plants and animals uh, just as uh, elaborated a while ago, uh, the effects or the importance, the use of uh, pesticides uh, in the minimal, uh, on the maximum, maximum, maximum reach limits, 
is based on the use of uh, pesticides, but uh, as to the farmers, we encourage them uh, like they have to use uh, registered fertilizers or registered pesticides as registered by the FPA. So the other thing that we have to consider is the general principles. Things to consider when writing or implementing food safety measures. So what are the responsibilities of food safety? Who are responsible for the implementation of the regulations? So we have to adapt a farm to pork approach to, to the food safety. Now on the farm level approach, uh, we, from the farm level of the farmers, uh, we teach them uh, the different aspect on uh, the elements of gap. Like for example, uh, the location of the, the, the area and the different uh, history of the area. And of course, the source of planting materials, the source of water, whether this is from the river or the or other streams. And we have to consider also the traceability for this uh, gap. So right now, we have the present situation of the cooperative and private sector in obtaining gap certificate. Uh, for the procedures of field certification, consists of initial application of the farm to their respective uh, to be helped by the DARFOs. And the DARFO will give training to the farm and pre-assessment will be conducted to the farm before it will be endorsed to the DPI for inspection. So those are the process. So currently, there are two ways in which an applicant may apply for certification either as an individual applicant or a group applicant. They thought, uh, the total passing is uh, days to have the build up is only 20 working days. So again, how gap is contributed to the development of the marketing and agriculture product. Uh, build up certified product is now in a way in the local market, seeing it as the assurance of safe food and quality produce without compromising the environment and safety and welfare of farm workers. Local demand for field gap certified produce is increased. The retailers group, supermarket, and local food industry, such as your hotel and restaurant, fast food chains is starting to require field gap certification to our agricultural commodity that is grown by our own farmers. Some important countries also requiring field gap certi certified farms of exports, cooperatives for the supply of agricultural commodities. So we have the various monitoring system for gap in support to the government. As of today, the application of field gap certification is free, free of charge. Certified farms are being monitored to ensure compliance to the standard in code of practices at least once a year. That was stated on the department uh, circular or department depart, uh, department order number uh, series of 2018. So this is being done by the BPI inspector, all the monitoring. So, Pilgap certified produce and farms are being recognized 
by region through Lubarrios Harvest Festival and Farmers Congress with the support of the DA AMAS. Pilga Pudos now have market linkages and now able to demand a premium price. So BPI uh, also keeps the, li the list of Pilga certified produce on hand for demand on exportable product. Then the DA, the High Value Crops Development Program, also prioritize farms aiming for field gap certification on giving out support and intervention projects. We at the ATI, we have six, 15 regional offices nationwide and all our uh, centers also conducted training. And we also uh, accredited similar learning sites across the nation. In this learning sites are the schools of the farmers to reach the goal towards these gap certifications. So as of today, uh, based on our food safety law, we have this responsibility, not just as farmers, but this food safety is a shared responsibility from the national government, food business operators, small uh, food eateries, household food manufacturers, so all the players, uh, there is a saying, we must educate if we are to regulate. If you want to live longer, make everyday food safety day. Thank you very much. All right, uh, thank you so much, Pope, uh, Sir Mani, for discussing initially the um, of course, the existing laws and policies on food safety, uh, the elements and the initiatives of DAATI in promoting good agricultural practices. Uh, we will hear you, Paul, once we uh, get into the uh, Q&A uh, portion of this uh, session. Okay, our yes, next speaker... Yes, okay, sir. Okay, our next speaker represents the City Cooperative Development Office of the City of San Jose in Nueva Ecija. But she will speak about the experience of a farmer cooperative called uh, Kalasag Farm Producers Cooperative in securing their GAP certification. Ms. Hannah Domingo is a cooperative development specialist who oversees and helps farmer cooperatives towards their development. Uh, because of her work, she was awarded by the Department of Agriculture as an outstanding agricultural extension worker. Uh, she had extensive trainings on good agricultural practices cooperative development and monitoring. Uh, Ms. Hanna, like our previous speaker, uh, is a licensed agriculturist and a licensed teacher who earned his, uh, her, sorry, her agricultural extension degree as well as her Master of Rural Development degree at Central Luzon State University. Over to you, Ma'am Hanna. Well, thank you so much, Sir BJ, for that kind introduction. Good day, everyone. It is an honor to be part of this webinar, and it brings me joy to share with you how one of our farmer group journeyed towards providing safe food to every table of the family. Next slide, please. Our farmer cooperative is called Kalasag Multipurpose Cooperative, which was formed in October 14, 2008 its name is derived from the barangays where they came from, barangays Kaliwanagan and San Agustin. And symbolically, Kalasag in Tagalog means shield. Next slide, please. 
Talasag was one among the key pilot areas for bridging farmers to, this, to the Jollibee supply chain spearheaded by the technical working group composed of the Jollibee Group Foundation, the Catholic Relief Services, and the National Livelihood Development Corporation or NLDC. While the site working group was headed by our very own San Jose City Local Government Unit, where two offices, the City Agriculture Office and the City Cooperative Development Office, worked together in the development of the former group, together with the Central Luzon State University for Technical Assistance and Alalay sa Kaunlaran Incorporated, NLDC's Conduit for Financial Assistance. Next, please. <clears throat> Kalasag started with 30 members in 2008, 15 each from the two barangays and eventually expanded to Barangay Villa Marina, a nearby barangay. At present, they have a total of 61 members. Next, Kalasag produces white onion or yellow granix, red girl or what we call the red onions and hot pepper. The cooperative provides production loans, emergency and education loans to its members. Next. Kalasag sells its produce to the Jollibee Foods Corporation, Walker Mart, Splash, and NutriAsia. They were able to, sell, to supply 687 metric tons of white onions in 2019, a 26% increase from that of 2018. While 24.9 metric tons of hot pepper, pepper were delivered for choking and manginasal. With this huge volume of delivery, imagine the number of people who are eating the byproduct of the farmer's produce. And with JFC going global, next, JFC required all its suppliers to be GAP certified by, year, by the year 2018. And being farmer suppliers is not an excuse to forgo the process. Jollibee Group Foundation called for an orientation late 2015. From then on, preparations were made for the farmers to be able to pass the certification process. And in March 2017, Kalasag members passed the GAP certification. However, the challenge did not stop from their sustainability issues were faced by the farmers. They were then again trained to develop their own internal control system or ICS in 2018 and eventually became GAP certified as a cooperative in 2019. Next. This, this successful journey was made possible through the help of and collaboration of the Jollibee Group Foundation, the Department of Agricultural Agriculture Regional Field Unit, especially the DA Regulatory, the San Jose City, our LGO, of course, and the Kalasag farmers. So how did we make it? Since we are dealing with farmers, we went through several through the step-by-step -step process. We made sure that they understood what they why they need to be GAP certified. After which they underwent GAP training, which was a basic requirement for the certification. And most importantly, get their commitment to undergo the certification. To ensure that the farmers will pass the certification, pre-assessment was done by the agricultural extension workers assigned in the areas and as facilitators of the program. Records, Farm facilities were thoroughly checked. They were, they were also guided in preparing requirements for application. Next, please. 
example. So this this was the actual process of the ano, the preparation of the application for gap certification. Next slide. And up until the actual inspection, regular form inspection were conducted and they were prepared by conducting internal mock audits wherein possible queries from the auditors were anticipated. Next. So this is the internal mock audit. We gathered the farmers by cluster and practice them with possible questions that will be shown by the GPI inspectors. So next slide. And this was the actual inspection in 2017, the very first gap application of the Kalasag farmers. And during that year, next slide please. They were, uh, there were 42 Kalasag farmers who passed the GAP certification. This was taken at the, this awarding was conducted at the Sanfer, at the DAA regional office in San Fernando, Pampanga. Next. As always, the question of sustainability came out. How could the farmer sustain such a practice? such practice knowing it requires a lot of time recording and keeping up the farm. With this, the formulation of Kalasag's ITS or internal control system, wherein officers were delegated to become inspectors of the member's farm. This is to ensure that farmers will adhere to GAP protocols. And in January 2019, Kalasag became the very first cooperative to become GAP farmers in the entire uh, GAP certified in the entire Philippines and the highest number of GAP passers. Next. So this one this was awarded in their in their office at Barangay San Agustin with the DARF03. So with this, next slide, please. With this, a lot has changed in the farmers' practices. They learned to adhere more to GAP protocols and knowing by heart the importance of providing food safe, providing safe food to the consumers because, because of the GAP, the farmers learned to organize their chemical storage, use protective gears, and provide comfort rooms and rest areas for the farmers. More importantly, they learned to practice record keeping and proper waste disposal. Next. But Kalasag would not have been successful if not for the collaboration of the Jollibee Group Foundation, our local government unit, and the Department of Agriculture Regional Field Office, and of course, the farmers themselves in maintaining their GAP certification. The commitment, the passion, and the education of these institutions have brought safe foods to all consumers. So that's, what, that's our experience in the local government in bringing about food safety to the farm area. Thank you and good day. Hello, sir. Thank you so much, uh, Ma'am Hana. Uh, I think uh, from that standpoint, uh, it is really important that our farmers are being clustered to achieve higher income. And of course, they also have opportunities to be trained uh, through private sector assistance. Um, all right, our next speaker is not from the Philippines, uh, but she is so much willing to share the experience of his company with the Filipino cooperatives and enterprises. 
Uh, Mr. Tom Nun uh, represents a Cambodian cooperative called Kimmer Organic Cooperative. Uh, it is a social business enterprise established in 2014 with the main commerce in Cambodia by working along the whole agricultural supply chain from the farm gate to marketplaces and working close relationship with farmer society in the rural areas of Cambodia. Mr. Tum is the part partnership and business development manager of this company who leads the partnership, business development, financing, fundraising, and marketing of the company. He is a colleague of a number of working groups of PPSA's counter counterpart in Cambodia, which is the Cambodia Partnership for Sustainable Agriculture. Uh, thank you so much, Mr. Tum, for having you here. And Mabuay from the Philippines. Over to Mr. Tum. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, um, my name is Tom from the Khmer Cooperative in Cambodia. And first of all, I would like to say thank you very much to uh, CPSA and CPSA for inviting me to be a uh, guest uh, speaker in the vegetable food safety learning session uh, uh, today. And Actually, uh, we are very happy to see, uh, you know, like the uh, food safety here, you know, from Cambodia perspective. And, you know, uh, before starting to say and brief about the, uh, you know, how food, how vegetable food safety in Cambodia situation, I would like to introduce, you know, our company a little bit. Actually, you know, my organic cooperative is also so a great business in the prime in Cambodia. We are working along all the way chain from farm get to the marketplace. And we actually partnering with farmer cooperative and farmer in the rural area of Cambodia. And we actually provide the food option to all consumers in Cambodia by bringing the real healthy food and healthy fresh produce in Cambodia. And our cell channel, we, we have our own shop. We also supply our fresh produce and other cultural products to supermarkets and green shop, catering service and hotels here in Cambodia. And we would like to share you know, uh, some business approach we are working here you to promote, you know, the uh, vegetable food safety. Actually, actually you know, uh, my organic cooperative, we are working, uh, focus, you know, number one, we focus on agricultural input because uh, agricultural input, you know, that is very important and playing the key role to provide technical assistance, not only the, the seed or fertilizer, but also, you know, they are working, you know, uh, to provide the pharmacopoeity with a technical assistance to promote the organic agriculture or uh, good agricultural uh, practice agriculture in Cambodia. And we currently, we cooperate with, you know, those some companies who are promoting organic agriculture, for example, they are selling organic fertilizer or organic pesticide, bio, 
uh, control agent thing related to the you know organic uh, way and technical to the farmer, especially for our farmer cooperative to apply. And the second, we actually promote the food safety improvement for our vegetables. Here we are improving food safety of fresh produce through capacity development and best practice to farmer by user group or farmer cooperative. And especially all relevant you know, business partner, you know, and those technical including, you know, appropriate power handling practice, personal hygiene education, food contamination protection. And we also develop like, you know, the internal control system management and recording system based on the food quality standard checkpoint and food safety for farmers. And we do a lot of like, you know, a consumer awareness on food safety issue in Cambodia through radio or newspaper, Facebook, or YouTube workshop and educational one or they can say like the national uh, exhibition one in Cambodia. We we try to promote uh, on that, you know, for the public awareness. Yeah. And the third, we you know, my cooperative, we focus on production and certification. And right now we already passed and success with the uh, EU and USDA international organic standard already for our produce, especially for our you know uh, agricultural cooperative or farm cooperative we are cooperating with as well as with our own farm. And we also not only the organic, but we also you know promote like uh, the uh, national good agricultural practice, we call it CAMGAP in Cambodia. And as well as with our packing house, we are complying with the GMB and HACCP standard as well. That is very, very important yeah, for, you know, with the quality of product assurance. And here, you know, in Cambodia, we also have our own organic farm. We can say like the learning and sharing agricultural practice for, for farmers cooperatives in Cambodia, especially for all the stakeholders that want to learn, you know, about how to practice real agriculture here. Yeah. And we also try to promote with the co chain management and development as well, because it is a part of, you know, uh, like a food safety protection as well because we need reliable facility and clean facility for our packing cow and storage as well here in Cambodia. And we also, you know, try to promote and build the farm cooperative with the, uh, you know, the uh, collection point need to be, you know, comply with the GMP uh, food safety standard, you know, requirement as well. Yeah, and even though, you know, um, in Cambodia, we still have like uh, some more challenge with, you know, in uh, vegetable food safety uh, sector. Uh, you may know that, you know, uh, here in Cambodia, we are lacking of like the food safety policy and law need to be developed by the government. We are in the process, but not yet, 
you know, like well implement. And the second, you know, full safety awareness is still, you know, limited here. So we need like more time to do more public awareness for, especially for our consumers. Yeah. And food hygiene and safety, like the rural people have, you know, limited access to clean and safety and continuous water supply, especially the wet management. And it can be, you know, a fight from like the climate change issue as well, because uh, we see that, you know, pest and foodborne disease, you know, happen on the crop. That's why the cooperative of farmer difficult to cope, to cope with, with those disease. So uh, inside, this is the problem as well. And left analyzing here also to expensive and with the capacity also very limited. And in Cambodia, we also, you know, have a very limitation human resource for food safety and quality as when, as when that is, you know, it's still a problem. And we see that based on our business uh, case, the more implementing vegetable food safety, the more investing in production and more, this is the uh, more people mindset that we need time, you know, to drive, uh, to make the people get understand clearly about the food safety issue, yeah. And here we test our, you know, the real quality produce, especially for our vegetable in the market, and we, we see that every more, everyone cannot be afforded to buy our real set of organic vegetable here because we see that a lot of people still go to the wet market and they buy, you know, vegetable. We can say sometimes the vegetable, you know, import from neighboring country here. It is, it's, uh, Still a problem with the market segment currently as well, yeah. And the last one is about the uh, you know safe agricultural input, especially you know the input the input company who are uh, promoting the organic waste. You know, is still limit and expensive here. For example, like the biocontrol. Again, if the farmer cooperative want to buy and use, but the biocontrol agent input, it seems, you know, still expensive that the farmer, you know, it's difficult to, uh, they have a limitation with the afford to buy and use for the organic uh, farming system, yeah. And this is, uh, you know, the uh, some issue, uh, happen in Cambodia. And I want to highlight the, uh, you know, during the pandemic, uh, uh, COVID-19, and right now we, you know, in Cambodia, we are facing, you know, like the flat flat, we have too much rainfall here, and actually it affects to the, uh, you know, the uh, farmer cooperative farms, almost, you know, in some uh, province in Cambodia, especially the uh, production province yeah, here. And anyway, you know, we recognize that the government also, you know, we, uh, they, uh, they are interested and they have put more commitment like 
to promote good agricultural practice and national organic standard policy in order to improve, you know, vegetable sector to boost productivity, quality, and safety as well. And for our company, currently we also expand our contract funding with the farmer cooperative, you know, which we, you know, it is also contribute to the pandemic response as well as expand our organic farm in Cambodia. This is, uh, you know, very important. And Khmer uh, Organic, we also improve our sales channel during the pandemic uh, difficulty. We are working with and cooperating with the delivery agency as well as we try to promote the online sale or e-commerce sale for our company. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've uh, finished. Yeah, finished all that. Thank you. Yes, uh, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Tum, for sharing your experience um, in food safety gap in Cambodia and, of course, the current practices and situations there. Uh, now we invite our speakers, Mr. Mani, um, Ms. Han, and Mr. Tum, to respond to some uh, of the questions posted by our uh, participants. Okay. Um, I think the first question is uh, addressed to uh, Ms. Hana. Uh, the question is, uh, given the COVID-19 situation po, where uh, many restaurants and fast food chains are closing down their branches, which unfortunately includes some Jollibee stores, uh, what is the effect of this uh, pandemic to Kalastag's production and overall income? Ms. Hannah? Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, we have an... The pandemic, uh, the deliveries of Kalasag was greatly affected, actually. Um, we have a target of 800 metric tons for this year, but then Kalasag was only able to deliver 300 metric tons because of the pandemic. Uh, they were really greatly affected. So for now, uh, the production, they're still preparing. Um, some farmers are afraid to take a risk in, in planting onions because there is no sure market at the moment. But uh, with the, the help of the Jollibee Group Foundation, we are trying to, to level, level, up the, level the situation where it, we could help the farmers. So we have regular... We still have regular, we conduct, through the initiative of the JGF, we, we conduct regular sessions with them and planning so that we could address the production, pro, the pro, the production issues this coming planting season. Okay, po. Uh, that's unfortunate to hear, uh, uh, Miss Hannah, but uh, I think the, the, really the private sector part in helping the cooperative is really important. Um, in this time. Yeah. Okay, po. Uh, uh, the second question is addressed to uh, Sir Mani. Okay. Um, okay. Hello. ATI. So, yeah. uh, the question is, yeah, ito po yung question. Uh, we recognize that currently the number of ga GAP certified farms and co-ops are not uh, that significant. Uh, what is the plan of the stakeholders to increase enrollment to GAP? or to, to increase the 
a compliance of partners uh, and co-ops to GAP. Okay. Uh, we, the ATI is uh, in coordination with uh, the local government unit. Uh, try to access those farmers who are willing to have GAP certification. So we'll, we will we'll provide them that proper training as uh, being done by the Mamahana Domingo as stipulated in her presentation. Uh, those are the process that they are going to undergo. And then by the way, uh, this GAP training is not a basic requirement. This is a requirement per se. A requirement to have GAP certificate. Kailangan may training muna. So yun yung pinakang requirement siya. Hindi lang siya basic. So for the farmers, uh, they wanted to avail. Uh, we are trying to have support from the local government and from the regional, regional field office. Since this uh, GAP certification is free of charge, so they are uh, just preparing their land and have the letter of intent as to give them a proper basic, proper training and all the requirements and being provided by the LGU and the regional offices. So both local and regional offices, including the national, the, the national office, are encouraging them. We have full support for them so that we can have a, a such number of uh, GAP certified farmers, especially for smallholders. And the GAP certification po is, uh, as you mentioned, is free? Oh, free of charge, yes. Free of charge. Free of charge. The GAP certificate is free of charge. Mm -hmm. okay, it's so, only valid, uh, valid for two years. Okay. Ah, okay. So renewable po siya. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Renewable within two years. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks, Sir Manny, for uh, that uh, response. Now, I think I have one question here for Mr. Toom. Uh, yeah. If you could respond to this question. Uh, the question is, how are you coping up and continuously adhering to the practices and regulations in Cambodia, uh, given that uh, we have the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah. Um, yeah. Were you able to hear the question? Yeah, yeah. I hear, okay. yeah. Uh, actually, uh, you know, in Cambodia for the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Actually, we also have uh, uh, some issue as well it, in the supply chain management. You know, as the case already happened here in Cambodia, that you know the uh, the first and severe case happened. You know, the government decided to lock down. You know, especially the Phnom uh, Penh city for one week. And during that time, actually, we are also uh, difficult to transport our production from the uh, production side to our packing house in Phnom Penh. But during, uh, during that time, we also talked to the government, you know, for the, uh, you know, like the agree private company, agree business private company like us, we are allowed, you know, allowed to transport our products still transportation our product from the uh, from the farmer cooperative yeah and we actually depict our transportation as not normal and during that time 
we also try, you know, to uh, serve our Cambodian people, especially the people in the Phnom Penh they can assess, you know, enough, you know, vegetable and fruit for their consumption during the pandemic, you know, year. And we try to cope with, for example, we are cooperating with the, uh, you know, the delivery agency. We, we deliver our products to their home, you know, we try to promote the online sales uh, during the uh, pandemic, yeah. And right now, you know, the situation here, it seems better than before, yeah. We try and we can get rain and we can have a direct meeting with the farmer cooperative or stakeholder over there, yeah. Thank you, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Mr. Tum, um, for that uh, response. I think uh, Doc Mary Ann is uh, has some question for. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, thank you, Vijay. Uh, I have a question for for Manny of ATI. Now I'm glad to know that uh, there is no yeah there is no more uh, fees no for a gap certification. My next question is. Um, do you, does ATI accredit um, private companies or other service uh, training providers actually? Because I, I believe that uh, ATI cannot uh, cannot reach you know all the farmers you know in the Philippines who would really like to 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 get a gap uh, uh, training. So uh, as I'm as I said. Uh, we at the, uh, the knowledge transfer team at East West Seed, we also give uh, uh, training on good agricultural practices. But does ATI accredit this? Uh, yes, ma'am. Actually, ma'am, uh, since the the beginning of GAP in the Philippines is is free of charge. Actually, free of charge since before. Uh, ATI right now is encouraging those le learning sites to be accredited by the ATI since uh, this will be the extended farm school of the ATI. So the various training to be conducted by the ATI is also conducted by these train, uh, learning sites all over the country. Yes, ma'am, we accommodate private sector, individual or group okay. for as long as they are willing to undergo those uh, evaluation of the area and of the project. Okay, thank you. Right. Uh, thank you so much for uh, the speakers and our participants for uh, for the rich discussion today. Um, again, we would like to thank our speakers for your valuable insights and sharing. Uh, we hope to stay in touch and continue our discussions and hopefully collaboration in the future. And we would also like to thank our participants for their questions and active participation today. Uh, thank you also for staying in the session as it extended. Uh, lastly, before we close, we would like to invite you to the succeeding webinars of this PPSA Working Groups Learning Series. Uh, next slide, please. Um, our schedules are um, flashed on the screen. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, we have uh, our next session is on the outlook and opportunities for the Philippine corn industry. Um, you may register by uh, scanning the QR code or uh, 
please anticipate the release of further uh, webinar announcement for these succeeding uh, webinar topics. Um, again, uh, thank you very much, and we hope to see you all in our next webinars. Keep safe, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.